So it's prep yourself time. Hi, Lex. Hi, Danny. I think we should share with the general public our brilliance. We've or... been called experts. <laughs> in email, I can show it to anyone who wants to see it. Yep. It was all in the same line. Prep yourself podcast experts. Yes. So if anyone was wondering if we have something to share, we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's not expert <laughs> advice. It is the most novice of inexpert advice. So I hope you're ready to learn something. Maybe. <laughs> the question is always there. Uh, I know people who are learning. Is it the Office of Emergency Management? Um, well, they're tweeting us. <laughs> It's amazing when we get tweeted, which happens, I think, twice a week, yep. but it gives me an opportunity to text Danny and go, are you sitting down? <laughs> <laughs> and I also full on, full body blushed when I found out that the Seattle Office of Emergency Management had retweeted us yeah. because we're big fans. Totally. So, because we want you to help save us and other people. Yeah. So if you heard about our podcast from OEM, tweet us and let us know. Yeah. At Prep Yourself Podcast. And then we'll also retweet them, and then it'll round and round we'll go. I think that's how that works. We'll be in a tweeting relationship. Oh, Twitter. I don't know anything about Twitter. Luckily, Lex is brilliant at social media. So um, You know how I'm brilliant? How? I gave the wrong Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually just at prep yourself. Y-O-S-E-L-F. Nice. Yeah. It's the only one where the podcast wasn't at the end. Yeah. Nice. Well, if you can't find it with You can prep find yourself. it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll have step-by-step -step instructions on our website. <laughs> Which is also known as Facebook. <laughs> it's primarily our website, though. I don't think anyone goes there for much else than to see our podcast information. Yeah. Speaking of which, those of you guys who are just now catching up or you skipped a few episodes to hop into this one because you're like, holy crap, you're going to talk about water? Yes, please. <gasps> and you just hopped right in. Uh, if you go back to episode 10, I did make a request for 10 people <laughs> to help me prove Lex wrong by that we could get 10 whole comments about things that people are doing to do? prep themselves. How'd you do? So far we have four. There's oh. four out of ten. There was also a fifth person who got a Coogs blanket. So <laughs> Go Coogs. <laughs> I don't I didn't count that as an official, like, you know. Uh -huh. We got a really good joke from Sam. I'm not gonna tell anybody. You're gonna have to go <laughs> to our website. To our website, Facebook. <laughs> and you'll have to see what Sam said and add a thing. Yeah. If you add a comment, then we'll be happy. Yeah. You'll see joy. You'll you'll hear joy. We'll compliment your jokes. <laughs> <laughs> we love all the jokes. Um, but also just general thank you for all the people. I like we have been really appreciative of how many people have brought up the podcast to us lately. Yeah. Just to chat about it and see what we're doing. 
mm-hmm. where we're at with our we're never going to say anything that's like really profound. <laughs> we will blush and laugh. Yep, absolutely. And go, Yay. Okay. If you haven't learned, <laughs> if you've learned anything about the two of us, we will never say anything profound, just in general. <laughs> so much less in person. Um, that's just not our mo. That's not what we're doing. Yeah. We're just here to say mediocre things uh, in very general <laughs> verbiage. And most of the time, I don't even pronounce it correctly. Yeah. So I hope you're into that. Um, hey, I wanted to give a shout out to my coworker, Julie. Remember last week I was saying that I made the presentation to my work. I don't know if it was the last one or the one before. Um, there's so many now. I just can't <laughs> so many presentations at work or so many, so many episodes. podcast episodes. I can't, I can't keep track. Um, no, I made that presentation, but my friend Julie was is like actually listening. What? Yeah. She and did today she walked by my desk and goes, she's like, you know what I did today? I printed out my communications list. What? Yeah. And she walked by with this little wallet-sized list with everybody's phone number on it. I wish that she would comment that on our Facebook. Oh, you know, I think she follows us on Twitter. Yes. I don't, think, I don't know if she's on Facebook. Yeah, I think people pick their demons these days, right? Mm-hmm. Either they're super into Twitter or Instagram or mm-hmm. our website. I'm into all of it. <laughs> yep. I'm into... No. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where I was going there. But very proactive on our website is my sister Jennifer. Oh. Who reminded us that we are actually uh, enjoyed nationally because she's listening from Alabama. Cross, uh, what is that? Country? Cross country? Yeah. Well, we are already national with people in Idaho, but this is like... That's true. The other side of the country. This is the whole... With only genetic ties and... (laughs) (laughs) Are you saying that that she only listens to me because she loves me? Because that is not true. We spent our whole childhood. We don't need to hear about it here. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about more gifts that I got. I do, but but she did buy stuff for her family, though. Oh yeah, she did buy. Yep. So I'm very proud of her, and I love her. And also, she still wants to take us hunting. Okay. So we have to talk about our schedules for the fall because that's when deer hunting is in full swing. Well, we're going back east for Christmas, so maybe we'll just swing on by. Alabama. And just go do your hunting? Sure. Interesting. I've never done it. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Really? Maybe just to even be there? You don't have to shoot a thing. Okay. You know, like, I don't think they would even let us because we would have to get licenses and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'd be more interested in just going to see what the process is. And then if they do kill something, to be able to watch them, like, clean it and, like, how that whole thing goes. (sighs) And then eat some of it. And then, like, smear the blood and do, like... Even right, isn't that did, what they do? We did nothing, but we're like <laughs> <laughs> covered in um, blood. Let's talk about this present. Okay, I can't even express how jealous I am about this present. I'm never going to get anything this cool in my she's life. She's looking at it I'm, right now, and she's mad. Like, I'm angry that I don't get to have it, other than it is kind of mine, because I'll just come over here and borrow it. It looks like a tiny spaceship. Yep. Or an R2-D2 survival stove. So this is called the BioLite, and it's a metal canister that you put different kinds of biomass in there, like little twigs or grass. Um, The heat of that goes through a 
conductor here of some type that converts the heat, the excess heat, into energy. I think I saw that it was like a copper coil or something. So that copper coil converts the heat into energy that's stored in this battery, and you can plug in this USB light that it comes with, and you can run a light off of it, or you could charge your cell phone. It also boils a canister of water in a liter of water in four and a half minutes. Yep. You can cook on top of it, so you can use it as your camping stove. Mm -hmm. And there's this Um, little fan in it that blows um, the fire and keeps it a smokeless fire. Yep. So what this was really developed for was in um, countries that use indoor stoves to cook their food. And so it was really unhealthy for people because the smoke would get caught in the hut. Right. And um, they would get diseases. So this is a clean burning and now energy producing stove. It's really cool. And it looks really cool. Yeah. I think I saw that it was two pounds. Uh, no, I think it's more like six pounds. Really? Three pounds. Where's yeah. that thing? I don't know. You're right. It's 2.6 pounds. <laughs> Remember how we were talking about how I needed to work out more? <laughs> uh, earlier, we were both talking about Lex was eating a delicious-looking salad, mm-hmm. and... Uh, she was saying that she doesn't feel like exercising, so she's trying really hard to, like, eat right. <laughs> uh, and I was telling her about how I went on a jog this morning, and most of it was just breathing. A lot of breathing. I don't <laughs> think I was that successful at jogging. But at least we're trying. Yeah. Kind we're, of. like, doing the right thing, you know, in general. It's important to be in good shape at the end of the world. It is. That's actually kind of your number one commodity, mm-hmm. if you could be healthy. Mm-hmm. Because if you're sickly in any kind of way, it's going to be compounded so much. It's not fun for anybody. Yep. But that's not what we're talking about today. No. Um, oh, is there one more gift? Oh, is there another gift? Is there another gift? I don't know. Is there? Oh, is there another gift? What? Is there another gift? <laughs> you're just returning. No. Oh, is there something in here? What is it? I believe the term that Danny used earlier today was that I'm a spoiled brat with all of the presents that I get, (laughs) which is not false, but she didn't know. First of all, this is, this is wrapped in twine, which I could use for many survival uh, situations. Like twine is the best thing in the world. I can't, what is going to happen when I open this? I'm already blushing right now because I did call her a spoiled brat earlier. And I did look mad about it. I wasn't even like happy about it. Oh, what? I got, um, I've earned some badges. I've earned some um, Prep Yourself podcast badges, which include the nuclear attack badge. The um, fire starter badge, which also is like a happy rainbow. It's um, a gay Boy Scout badge. It's <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's um, I got the canning badge. I got the comms plan badge. I got my first aid badge. I got my baby eater badge. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And I got my wino clock badge. These are the cutest things <laughs> in the world. The, uh, thank you so much. I am I am so blown away at how thoughtful this is. 
and I got crafty. These are super thoughtful. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm happy to give them to you. You earned them. Oh, my gosh. And the pretty paper that they're on. Because I love you. I was going to put them on a sash, but then I didn't know if you wanted, like, a Girl Scout sash or you wanted to put them on your little bag or something. I'm actually teared up. Oh. I actually teared up. Thank oh, you so Danny. much. You're what? awesome. I'm going to hug you out later. You're going to get so <laughs> hugged out. I'll tell you guys how it went. <laughs> <laughs> the way that we sit for recording our podcast is not, it means that we can't hug a lot. No. Which is probably good. And we're not going to stop to hug. we got to survive. <laughs> yeah. Hardcore preppers don't hug each other. That's not part of the future. <laughs> Only when they're really scared. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. I don't even know how to go on from there. If you want to see these sweet badges <laughs> and what I do with them, you should come to our September 13th event. And I promise to have my badges on display. Yeah. Nice. It was not in the plan for the event, but now... It's going to be the main event. It's the main event. Like, essentially, everybody's going to be coming to see that. Yeah, so it's September 13th at the Fremont Foundry, the coolest event space in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> you like it that? is. It's the coolest. Yeah. I like it the most. Um, so, yeah, if you haven't seen it on our um, Facebook page yet, go in there and just click going. Just say going, and you yeah. can go ahead and put it on your calendar. Don't get interested. Yeah. It's going to be like two hours max. We're not going to waste your time. For sure. You're going to come. You're going to eat some food. You're going to hear from a smart person, two funny girls, and um, have a drink. Yeah. A certain kind of cocktail. (laughs) (laughs) That may be making fun of when I miss say things. And even if I immediately know it's wrong, I will forever (laughs) hear about that one time that I said that thing. So, just so that I can stop crying and start laughing, uh, <laughs> did you watch Waterworld? Duh. It took me two days, literally. It took me two days. <laughs> Is it because you fell asleep or because you just couldn't keep watching no, it? No, I consciously turned it off. I was I watched about the first 45 minutes of it, and then I started playing on my phone and like looking at stuff, and Mike was like, are you even watching this anymore? I was like, it's so long. (laughs) So I was like, no, I want to give it my full attention. So I turned it off. And then I watched it uh, yesterday while I was folding laundry. What'd you think? Um, It's worse than I remember it. Absolutely. I remember when it came out and people, it was like this huge budget movie, like super expensive movie, all these explosions and Kevin Costner. And the costuming and the sets and and stuff were crazy expensive. Ugh. Yeah. When I was watching it, I was like, I feel like I'm at Universal Studios, California, watching the show Waterworld. They have a water show. They do? Yeah. They have a water show called Waterworld? Yeah, and it has, like, people jumping on jet skis off of things and explosions and him riding the, um, like, zip line down. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, I felt like it was... Uh, and I felt like this, I think, when it originally came out, too, but I felt it more. Because I remember when it first came out, I remember defending it. I remember people being like, oh, my God, they spent so much money on this, and it's terrible. And I remember being like, it's not that bad. Yeah, I don't I don't think it was that bad. I don't like the female character in it. Yep. I think the little girl, I don't know what the actress's name is. Yeah, but she was in a bunch of other stuff, oh, yeah. too. Tons. She was in a ton of movies. I just felt like it was a terrible water Oh, she's version. the girl in um, um, Napoleon Dynamite. Is she? Yeah. 
No way. Yeah. Yes. 100%. I felt like it was a watered-down version <laughs> of Mad Max. Yeah. I mean, that's what they were trying to that's do. That's what Mike is watching upstairs right They're now. Trying, they were trying to be Mad Max, but in a, like, a watered version of it. Yeah. Instead of the desert. Mm-hmm. And I... And it was, was too close to that. Like, it stayed too close to that exact same look and feel mm-hmm. and character style. And... Uh, I feel like Dennis Hopper mm-hmm. was great yeah. in it, uh, but I felt like Kevin Costner was a much less charming version of mm-hmm. Mad Max. Yeah. He was just mean the whole time. He was just mean. He got nice at the end when he wanted to save the little girl. But but also, like, he was on the island for, like, two seconds, and he was like, wait, I can't be here. I gotta leave. Like, yeah, but you can't let your guard down in Waterworld. <laughs> can't be taking on extra baggage like that i mean he was so mad because he was like i'm trying to stay alive here i'm not really sure what he was trying to stay alive for right like, like if you're that not motivation and love like what he just liked being out on the water he liked yeah. sailing around and then he also had to deal with all these assholes yeah he just wanted to be a hermit yeah uh, things that I took away from it, though, because we, we do try to watch media things, not just so that we can tell you if we like it or not, but also to hopefully mm-hmm. learn something from the people. I have my top three. Uh, I like that the, uh, the focus on the, la- the plants, like how soil was the most expensive, crazy commodity that they had mm-hmm. and that they use that to grow these miniaturized fruit plants, uh, I thought was really kind of a cool aspect and a cool thing to kind of see cinematically mm-hmm. that's why i bought a yard of dirt and put it in my backyard <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna be rich i'm gonna be so rich i got so much dirt okay um one thing i learned learn to ride a jet ski <laughs> <laughs> underwater I mean, you learned that you want to learn that or that it can happen i have been on one jet ski yep I just don't generally like motorized um, vehicles or, like, snowmobiles, jet skis, four-wheelers. I'm not a fan. Really? Yeah. Okay, here's the thing. I love them. I always feel shy about be like, asking someone to use them for the first time, right? Because you're, like, it's like... With jet skis and stuff, it's like everybody's toy, yeah. and so there's like a lot of people waiting to do it. And because it would be my first time, it would be like oh. not very interesting. Like it wouldn't be <laughs> thrilling for everyone else to kind of be waiting for me. I would love to be like beep beep, like beep beep, beep you know, no, like because I'm like, going to be on the back going slow down, slow down, off all the time. <laughs> but like, I mean, I love riding around golf carts. I like golf carts. And I, I do like love a four-wheeler. They go fast where I will be physically flung off of it. Yeah. And that are like a little bit redneck. How do you feel about my motorized Razor scooter? I think I'm okay with that, but I would rather ride one that I power. You'd rather ride, ride a regular Razor scooter. Mm-hmm. Did you try my electric Razor scooter? No, I haven't. I bet you would be in love with it when you actually did it. Okay. Because it's within a realm of not fast enough to... You don't wear a helmet, do you? Not when I do the racer scooter. I started riding the Lime and Spin bikes in Seattle. Right. Without a helmet. I don't like it. It feels weird, right? Yeah. It feels feels like you're missing something. I'm also riding them downtown, which um, probably isn't the best. Yeah. Seattle drivers. 
Um, another thing I learned about Waterworld is that I should get a map of the world tattooed on my back immediately. I mean, the, the whole world or just like a map to your house? I don't know where I live. I'm just going to get the whole thing. <laughs> what if I'm not living here when it happens? Uh, where are you going to be? So is this like an alien invasion that you oh, need a world map for? No, but generally I would just be able to, people could look at my back and know where to sail to. Like <laughs> possibly there's some land there. Maybe we'll have like the mountains tattooed also, so we could say probably was it there. Yep, this is a good spot. This is where the high. This is the Himalayas. Yeah, right here. Mm-hmm. Um, would you? Are you doing this so that you're safe? You're like, oh, I'm a commodity because I have a tattoo of the world. Yeah, maybe that's not a good idea. <laughs> they I think it is me. a good idea because they'll keep you alive. Okay. Like, why would they murder you? Well, they were talking about like. Cutting her tattoo off her back. But that's because she was a little bit mouthy. Oh, because I'm going to be so nice and quiet. <laughs> she could have learned a few things from you. <laughs> she did fine. Uh, what else did you learn from Waterworld? I learned that uh, the from the little ta- the little the people who were mean to him. So he stopped somewhere to have do some like trading yeah, and yeah. stuff so that he could like pick up sal- supplies and stuff like that. And they have to be very careful about who they allow in. Like, they do need the things that he is also bringing in, but they have to be really careful about who's allowed to come in and trade with them because everybody is out to murder each other because it's a very hard environment to survive in. There's no resources. There's no resources. Um, I was really kind of taken aback and, and also had completely forgotten about the scene where they try to offer up the young girl. Because they want him to impregnate her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're on, there's only like so much 70 genes. people who live there, yeah. and there's only so many bloodlines, and you can only cross them over so many times. Mm-hmm. So that just means at the end of the world, we're just going to have to... Everybody. Everybody's everybody. just going to need to be reproducing with whomever. Ew. Whomever rides up. So, uh, the, did you learn anything else? Which are other? Did you have a third? Um, just the general knowledge of sailing. Right. I think the general and knowledge of sailing seems of tying knots, swimming real good, and um, fishing. I would say general knowledge of mechanics too. There were a lot of mechanical, yeah, whatnots. Yep. He had all the bells and whistles on the boat. Yep. So my dad is really into sailing, and he always tried to get us into it, and we're not as into it as he is, and I really haven't been on a boat in a long time. Yep. And um, So what you're saying is you're going to get your dad to take us sailing? Um, I'm sure he'd love to. Yeah. There we go. Mostly just to wrap up our discussion about Waterworld, I think what it did was was just be terrible, but then also point out all of our inadequacies. <laughs> per usual per usual as all the movies that we watch do uh i also did a little bit of other uh media bits which i'm going to tie into our, the rest of our conversation which is i listened to another uh podcast called the prepper podcast that was really helpful in the water discussion that we're about to do so i just wanted to give a credit where credit is due uh in case i don't mention it when we get into the heavy we're still number one I mean, we're on the charts and in everyone's hearts, charts and hearts, mostly in 10 people's hearts. (laughs) Maybe they have a chart. Maybe they have a chart and a heart and they'll comment on our page too. 
So but let's let's give the facts of the show. This is the facts portion. You want some facts? Yeah. So what we're talking about today is just general kind of the very general world of water emergencies and kind of three different sections of that. So no, so this is like water disaster episode. Right. Flooding. Flooding and or how you get water during emergencies. How to get water and then how to prevent big disasters right. in your house with water. And we're kind of doing a kind of overarching episode on that so that in case a disaster happens tomorrow, you have some general knowledge. But we'll get into it more <laughs> later with a lot of these. Much like many of our episodes. We talk about purification for days. For days. We're going to purify so many things. Uh, so we were going to go into talking a little bit. So we want to focus mostly on Seattle for this one, kind of what our <laughs> flood, disaster flooding scenarios might be. And I'm sure that it still applies to quite a few other people. And we got all this information from where? Oh, my goodness. Seattle.gov. <laughs> so I'm sure your whatevercity.gov has similar information. We're just going to tell you where we got ours and uh, read it off the Internet to you right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Once upon a time, early oh. in Seattle's history. Wait, I need to get my pillow. <laughs> low-lying areas near downtown and at the mouth of the Duwamish flooded. Oh. This prompted the construction of landfills and a drainage system downtown and the channeling of the Duwamish. Since that time, there have been no significant flooding downtown or near the mouth of Duwamish. Because of these changes, listing very early events is irrelevant. They really got me there. Like, as soon as I got to page 269 of the flooding manual, that paragraph, like... Like, we're not going to bother with a bunch of flood stories because we fixed it. We already fixed it. Yeah. Essentially, they fixed it by taking Queen Anne, yeah. which is, those of you not in Seattle, is a hillside that's kind of off of downtown to the north. And they just took a bunch of dirt off the top of it and they put it into the valley that is downtown. Mm-hmm. We're built on a landfill. Right. And there's a whole lot of history with the Duwamish River and... The pollute, how polluted it is now. I really hope it doesn't flood because it's all through industrial area. Right. It's so polluted. It's um, and it's dammed. Yeah, it literally not like dammed, like the village of the dammed, but mm-hmm. like there's a a structure, mm-hmm. a dam on it. And I believe it was a major waterway for the Native Americans that lived in the Seattle area until. You know, we ruined the it. Europeans came in and said, we're going to need this. <laughs> and they did need it. I mean, Ugh. Ugh. Um, so, yeah, I think the whole report was don't worry about floods. They happen pretty frequently at really low, you know, impact to the economy or people or damage to houses and infrastructure. Um, but they did give some larger, like, worst-case scenarios, too. Um, I think somewhere in the middle of the road, they were looking at um, flood-prone areas, which they gave a map of. Um, it's mostly the South Seattle and South Park area, which made me sad because um, that's where I think a lot of lower-income people live. So, again, 
They also talked about Thornton Creek and Longfellow Creek. And that's up north. Yep, which I'm not as familiar with uh, because it's not as much of a major uh, waterway as the Duwamish. But they have actually flooded more often because there's not as much um, infrastructure that's been created around them. Mm. So they have a little more flooding. uh, And so mostly with, you know, they talked about as far as what could be like types of flooding happen, Duwamish and those little places are what's called riverine flooding. What do you do? You think it's riverine or riven, riverine? Riverine. We're gonna go with riverine. So if we're incorrect, just know I never pronounce anything correctly. So Damn you're so. welcome to let me know. Uh, but the part of what they're worried about is when it, we ever have a dam failure. That's really what we have to worry about about there. We don't generally get enough precipitation that, to overcome mm-hmm. the kind of structures that were created around the Duwamish. We don't get hurricanes here. We don't but get we hurricanes here. we do have here. to be damn careful. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't even write these down beforehand. I, d- I know. You're just like <laughs> off the top of your head. So good. So good. Um so there is, you can look up more infrastructure um, kind of failures that could, are potentials, but uh, there's about 388 acres within the city, the urban area of Seattle, which is at risk for these kind of riverine flooding uh, events. If So if we lost a dam or just these kind of smaller things off of Thornton and Longfellow. So the flood damage in the flood prone areas would be about $3.5 billion. And 6,000 people being displaced. And then in the urban, it's over $5 billion. I'm saying billion. Billion. $5 billion. Yeah, and 40,000 people being displaced. But I feel like that's a worst-case scenario. Right. We're surrounded by water, but it's weird that we're not worried about flooding. Yeah, that's not not as much of a problem as is other places because (laughs) sometimes I can't speak. Uh, because we have so much stuff, like so many things in place, like for the lake, we can open up the lock mm-hmm. system to let water out Good at point. any time and kind of self-adjust for those kind of events. Um, I would be worried about any sort of tsunami situation if it came, you know, it's not going to hit Seattle, but if it goes through the Puget Sound, I feel like that could raise the water table. And that's this coastal flooding. Mm-hmm. So coast, coastal flooding associated with storms, high tides and wind can push water into coastal areas. Coastal flooding can erode the toes of bluffs and one factor of landslides. Mm-hmm. So mostly we'd be dealing with landslides on the edge. And then there was somewhere else. See, but I would think that would is even on the coast. I'm right. just talking about in general because if that water comes into the Puget Sound. Yeah. We, don't, we just don't... You know, I think, it comes through so many different ways here. I think by coastal, they mean that it's coming in from the Puget Sound rather than coming from, like, a storm overhead oh. or, like, a, you know... A, okay, I see. A warming event where maybe all of the snow melts at the same time or, you know, that kind of thing. I think they're just saying... Like, one of the things they talked about was something called a king tide where the tide is just so mm. high that king it... King as in king and queen. Yes, what did it sound like? Keen. <laughs> like the shoes? Or cane. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know how it is. I might have my cane out, cane foot. <laughs> <laughs> Her nanny, it's coming. And then, so the, uh, 
So, yeah, so then, the like, there's extra high tides that can affect people who obviously have low-laying houses. But they were saying that most of—we have so many cliffs and stuff that kind of run along our coasts that it's really easy for us to—like, it's not a big worry. that We wouldn't lose a lot from there. I did think it was interesting. They talked a little bit about with the riverine and the coastal flooding that at some point they decided that it was actually— more expensive to force infrastructure, uh, like like infrastructure to ways of building and things like that, than it was to just insure things mm-hmm. and uh, have like insurance cover the repair, like the cost mm-hmm. value of putting in proper infrastructure when it came to flooding. They're just like Ugh. it costs less to insure it properly. <laughs> What about the mental, you know, the PMA? Yeah. They just don't... Sometimes PMA also is with cost analysis. So urban flooding, which is uh, something that happens very suddenly when there's a tense, intense uh, overwhelming rain, which overwhelms the drainage systems. Uh, so low-lying, bowl-shaped areas like Madison Valley and Midvale are most likely to flood in these scenarios. We actually had an incident with this this past year where sewage, the the plants, that the cleaning, the water cleaning I plants. I remember that. So they, there was like a Ooh, water yeah, event yeah, 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 that yeah. overwhelmed the drainage system. One of the uh, pumps got overwhelmed and then broke, and then they had nowhere for the sewage to go. So all of this raw sewage was going into the sound. The sound. So they had to tell everybody not to go oh, into it. Oh, my and, God. And so this is part of this urban flooding scenario. And if we're dealing with something that is a heavy rain event that turns into a disaster, which potentially could happen if we're looking at the true kind of end game of uh, climate change, Mm -hmm. these kind of events could be stuff that totally break down the infrastructure of our city. Because even that, it was so hard for them to fix because while they're trying to fix it, there's still an overwhelming (laughs) amount of water, raw water, raw sewage water. You just don't want to hear raw sewage. That's you guys it? don't see it, but I'm eating a big cheeseburger right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, yeah, no, that's disgusting. Yep. And that, but that's something you have to worry about in an urban environment. I mean, we talked about it last week lightly. Like, where's everybody going to use the bathroom? What if all of a sudden no one can use the bathroom in their <laughs> regular facilities? Let's go for a swim. In the <laughs> don't put your face in the water, though. Don't put your face in. Just like a little dip with your body. Which also means that it's contaminating, uh, those kinds of incidents are contaminating water that you could potentially be using for actually having for drinking water. Mm-hmm. We currently have a water main broken outside of our house. Really? So it's just been, there's literally a fountain, like a little geyser in the street. Yeah. I'll show you after. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's poop, though. It wasn't poop. It was no. just fresh water. <laughs> yeah. Just fresh water blowing away in your neighborhood. Yeah. It's like Were there new, children playing in it? It's a new drinking fountain. I think our taxes paid for it. Sure. <laughs> our taxes paid for this drinking fountain. It was delicious. We have plenty of other dumb stuff in our neighborhood that we... Our tax dollars at work. Like what? Rain gardens. Why is that? Why are you against a rain garden? Because they're just... I'm not against rain gardens. These ones are dumb. Okay. Yeah. Why didn't the person just do them themselves? Isn't it landscaping their own yard? Uh, it's a whole thing. So okay. we're talking about. What? <laughs> Is it one of our listeners? Is it one of our listeners? 
Uh, I don't know. I only know two. It's neither one of them. <laughs> one is the prince of the podcast. <laughs> the other is your mom. So um, what if there is contaminated sewage water? Do you want it in your house? No, absolutely not. How am I going to keep it out of my house, Danny? Uh, so you can keep it out of your house by turning off your water main. Bring the more you know. So what Leaf told me is that you can only you can't actually turn off your sewer, which I think is incorrect. So you can't block that part because it is only made to go out. That's why there's backflow equipment to make sure it can't come into your house. But you can turn off your water that comes from the city. And so why you would want to turn that off is because if the water system gets overloaded uh, in like a kind of backwards direction, it'll force itself into your house and essentially explode into your house. Like the your sink will just all of a sudden start shooting out water, bathtub, like everything will just be shooting out water and could cause flooding within your house. Yay. I mean, yay, fun, swimming pool. <laughs> and then if you could quick freeze it like on um, Real Genius where they had all of that mm-hmm. snow and like the ice thing in the house. Get my snowboard. Yeah. You can have some like fun times down your little stairs, mm-hmm. like a little sledding adventure. <laughs> Uh, but so the water can come into your house. Also, the other thing is, is if the, if you have a situation like one of these, the urban flooding where it's really, uh, sudden and overwhelms the, the city, you don't want what little water that you have in your system to become contaminated because that's going to feed into every bit of water that you actually already have in your house. So you, Want to get that turned off as anytime that you have forewarning that there's going to be like a hurricane type event or anything like that Earthquake. where you or if you know it is coming and you have enough time to do it, you should turn it off before if you can possibly before you turn it off. If you know you're going to be in a emergency scenario like this, prior to turning it off, you should try and fill up. You should try and get as much water into your house as possible that's clean water because it is going to save you a lot of uh, filtering time if you've at least uh, brought, if you have as much water as possible. So that's more of a hurricane situation where you have... Where you have forewarning. Yeah. There's also some forewarning that can come with... uh, Earthquake? uh, Nuclear attack? Nuclear attack. Earthquakes, maybe. Like, you might have, like... Like a series of earthquakes that build up, so you might have enough time to to like like I said, the one of the things I learned from that other podcast that I learned is that you, or what, that I listened to is there is the potential for you to have two hundred gallons of water within your house with in less than an hour. Depends on who you are and where you live. Absolutely. What do you mean, who you are and where you live? Like someone who doesn't have a bathtub can't. That's true. So part of this is you do need to have a bathtub because that makes like 60 gallons of it uh-huh. as having and a bathtub. Like- Although they do sell these like weird um, bag things that you can fill up that kind of fit in your shower. So your shower gives it shape. So like it doesn't have to be like a big thing that you store. It's actually <laughs> a little flat thing. So your like shower gives it shape, but you still fill it up with shower water. Funny. Uh Fill up all of the sinks, like any sink that you have uh, in the house, any kind of container that you have, any pitcher, any deep pans, anything like that. Um, 
make sure that if you have some kind of hot water system that only turns on when you like tell it to, uh, go ahead and have it be full, uh, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and also if you have this time to know that this is happening, if you have any room in your freezer, if you can take, uh, cold water and put it in like a juice thing or whatever kind of bottle you have and fill your freezer up as much capacity as possible It'll actually stay colder longer the fuller the fuller it is so if you have time to get that stuff in while the electricity is also mm-hmm. still running and then also if you can get it iced it's also helping cool stuff once you're losing uh water so and then as it melts then it's more water that you have in storage so um just as like a first kind of like if you're at home and you're able to get all of that water stored uh if you have any kind of warning it's a great thing to do through like during that like initial what am i doing to kind of get myself set inside of this uh, like you said, though, there's not there's plenty of times when you're not going to have that kind of preparedness. Mm-hmm. You're not going to know. So your first defense is to have water already on hand, which is every time you go to the store, just grab one of those two and a half gallon jugs of water. For sure. And one of the things that I learned uh, just through the stuff that I was reading this past week is when you are storing... Uh, water that you buy that are in plastic. Uh, A couple of things that they said, make sure that it's in a cool, dry place where sunlight's not hitting it because you don't want it heating inside of the plastic that it's in because Mm -hmm. it leaches whatever chemically plastic stuff is in there. Um, Don't leave it directly on cement because it also leaches uh, through the plastic. Uh, And then if you stack it too much, it actually causes damage to the infrastructure. Like if you make it too high. It could fall and bust open. And and then you're losing all the water. water damage. And then uh, make sure that you rotate it. Like, you know, water is is great for a long time, but Mm -hmm. also it does get stale. Um, Have a water party. Yep. Invite everybody over. Drink some water. Yep. Have them bring you a new jug of water. And then, yeah, no one's going to your like water the, party. No. Wouldn't that be cool? If you called me and you're like, hey, I'm trying to down two and a half gallons of water today. Hey, Danny, my water's expiring. Want to hang out? <laughs> <laughs> nope. I'll be like, nope. Another way that you could have um, a really easy way to kind of start storing water or to uh, think about having water at home is to uh, do rainwater catchment, which is really easy to to have a 55-gallon. Do you have one? No, I need to get one. Yeah, we have four on the side of our house. Yeah. Where'd you get it? So we got ours. So it's a thing. Like, we were really lucky. Uh, Leaf and I, our uh, prior roommates were super into gardening Mm -hmm. and kind of urban homesteading. So they... Totally. I mean, Leaf was involved. Where can you get I them? This. I would think that you could get them off the internet. I think you could get them probably from garden supply places. I so think. do you just hook your drain pipe into it? Ours has, it's through our drain pipe. It's filtered. Like the drain pipe has like a couple of different um, filters before they go into it. Okay. And then it actually goes through to the bottom so it gravity feeds from the bottom and then it just pushes them up and then they're all connected together so they all have the same amount of water in them at the same time 
and they only come out in one spigot. So when you open up the spigot, you have the pressure from all four uh, kind of like pushing the water through. Mm. So we also use it to like water plants and stuff outside. Just so that we can rotate the water a little bit. So are the filters great? It's like so stuff doesn't go in. Exactly. It's just so stuff doesn't go in. But it's not any sort of It's not filtered at all. Right. So we would have to filter it before we drank it. But it is, you know, giving us 200 gallons of water just sitting on the side of our house. Let's talk about filtering water then. What? Good segue. Yeah. Yeah. Water purification. So obviously you can boil it. If you have a biolite, that would be a great way to do it. You could do it on a camp stove. Um, my dance moves. <laughs> um, I think your dance moves are the number should have been number one. Yeah, I'm kind of sad I that didn't you didn't to. bring that up first. I think yeah. So boiling water there, there's the sand, charcoal, and rocks. Just knowing that that is a thing, I think, mm-hmm. is really important as a way to. Uh, you can create it, layers in anything that you can then run your water through and have it uh, filter out the water. It is something that you that is not going to remove things like Giardia no. from your water. But if you're in a desperate situation and you need to get out at least the gunk of the water, mm-hmm. then it's a great way to do it. And it's something you may, you may be able to commonly find, like more so than iodine tablets. Yeah, but I think um, iodine is my go-to. That's your go-to? But you can... Well, live straw first. Live straw first, mm-hmm. and that will last for three years. Yeah. All right, moving on. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> now, that, now that Lex has survived uh, with her I'm good. straw. Uh, we've mentioned this before. Iodine is amazing for emergency situations, but if you are using it for too long, it Not actually good. is really bad for your liver. Yeah. Same thing with using uh, chlorination methods. Same thing. It's going to be really bad for your liver over time. Also, bleach is a, another way to do it. If you are going to be, if you are going to be using bleach, uh, it's ten drops per gallon, and you really do not want to ever do more than that. And it's really important that you don't use like scented bleaches and that sort of thing uh, because they have other chemicals that could be harmful to you in them. You also want to make sure that the expiration date is actually still in because actual will start degrading over time, which means that it's not actually purifying your water to the level that you probably need it. And then... uh, don't drink the pool water. Don't make yeah. Don't use pool chlorine. <laughs> like it's pool water actually is amazing. One of the things that they brought up because it is clean and because it's been chlorinated, it's like cleaner than even usual. Do not use hot tub water. Yeah. Hot tub water is essentially the same as drinking water out of your toilet. It's Here that I'm, dirty. It's ew, that dirty. Ew. But uh, pool water, because ew. it's been it's been used... I mean, think about it. You yeah. swim and you no, swallow it while you're swimming. We don't need to talk about more gross things. No, pool water. <laughs> but I'm saying if you have a pool or if you know someone with a pool, they have like how many thousands of gallons are at a pool? We live in Seattle. Who has a pool? Somebody has a pool. Does anybody have a pool? I can't think of a single person who has a pool. Oh, um, what's the really cute couple? They had a baby. Mike and Lex? Uh, <laughs> yes. We don't have a pool. No, they were used to be on uh, Fox News. Bill and oh. Crystal. Yeah. Don't they have a pool? 
I thought they lived in an apartment with a pool. I don't know, but they have apartment buildings have pools. <laughs> so you can go to an apartment building and steal the pools. Are the pools? <laughs> I'm going to cut that whole session. <laughs> also, the one of the things that they talked about if you're trying to find water is commercial buildings will actually get their water back first because they're the largest users of waters. So of waters of water. So utilities want to get them turned back on faster. Jerks. So uh, I think one of the things you can do is really know what water that you need to avoid in an emergency situation. So we're talking about going around in your house and having places where you can store water. Uh, (laughs) But here's some places where you should not drink water from. Number one, the toilet. Thank you. <laughs> but also the toilet reserve tank. Like, you think that might be Ew. clean because it's fresh water going into the reserve tank. But that tank is never cleaned. Ew. It's gross. Don't don't drink that water. Also, radiators. You don't want to drink any water that has been inside of a radiator. Ew. So even though you, it's a great idea to drink water from your... Uh, Hot water heater, uh-huh. because that's another 20-something gallons of water that you have available to uh-huh. you. Don't drink it from radiators. Same thing, the contaminants that's inside of it. There's, like, a lot of rust that builds up interior of those. Um, I love this this thing specified not to drink from water beds. Ew. Do you know anyone who has a water bed? No. Like, I mean, post, like, like, 1992. Do not drink water from... Um, Anything that's been heavily chemically treated, like if you don't have the proper strips to know like what the pH balance is mm-hmm. in that, don't just assume that you can actually drink it. Uh, do not drink flood waters. You There's too many that... chemicals from spills. Yeah. So this might deal with been. people like more in the south, you might deal with like a river flood where your whole house, like you're stuck on the roof. Like we saw with Katrina, you're mm-hmm. like just on the roof of your house. You're so thirsty. You're surrounded by water. Ew. Of course you're going to be like, maybe I can just treat some of that. Well, it's the grossest water ever. Sewage, cleaning products, birth control. Ew. Ew. Yeah. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. There might be Viagra in there. Ew. You don't know. You don't know what's in there. You don't know what people have. Um, mm, don't drink that. And they also say do not uh, use well water until it's deemed safe. So if there's an event where the city is like, hey, there's been a flood, all of the water is contaminated, even if you have a well, if it's in a flooding situation, most likely your well also is not uh, going to be good. On the other hand, when you're in other kind of disaster scenarios, knowing if someone has a well or not is actually a great way to have like an unlimited water supply if they mm-hmm. can dip directly into the aquifer. Um, and then you can only drink salt water if you've distilled it first. Distilled? <laughs> How do you say it? It's like distilled. Distilled. Mm-hmm. I think distilled sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah the one of the things they kind of like to wrap up their whole scenarios of like different water situations and this is actually by the way this what i'm reading off of right now is a an article from called survival water purification that is from happypreppers.com forward slash water if you want to go and read the article uh the 
the kind of their closing statement is the best way to have water is to get water and have it stored at your house already. So water storage, uh, like we mentioned with having the, the water tanks, rain catchment system and that sort of thing. Uh, so water storage tanks, if you really want to get crazy, uh, like become a crazy prepper, you can get a cistern so you can put water up in the air so that you have proper water pressure also Mm -hmm. uh, with whatever water there is, uh, because once there's no electricity, having water pressure is actually, Difficult. Going to be non-existent. Uh, So that is kind of the general idea of purifying water. We ran through things crazy fast. Wow. I know that you guys now feel like, wow, I'm really going to go out in the world and know about water and flooding. Yeah, I don't think it's a huge risk here in Seattle, but I know many of our listeners do live in flood zones. Many of them. Many. <laughs> um, but do, do, you just, rem- do you remember the three kinds of flooding, though, in Seattle? Riverine, urban, and coastal. What? You're the best. I didn't even write it down. I know, and you learned it today during this podcast. Yep. <laughs> Riverine, urban, coastal. coastal. Doing it. <laughs> Oops. Well, I'm glad that there's one disaster topic that is a major disaster topic for many places that we don't have to worry about as much. But now we know how to... I mean, this is applicable. The purification and the storage is applicable to... Every disaster scenario. Yeah. Yes. I think we could have done a whole show on just purification. We will. Maybe we will. And we definitely will. Episode 23. (gasps) Can we wait that long? Just kidding, you guys. I mean, that's 11 episodes away. <laughs> so our many. next episode, we're super excited about because mm-hmm. we're going to focus on more of that kind of summer. One of the even covering water in this way is we've just been trying to cover things that are more likely to happen in the summer. And there's a lot of places that have uh, issues with hurricanes and that sort of thing mm-hmm. during this time of year. But we're going to talk about foraging in our neighborhood. <gasps> she said it right. Foraging. What did I say before? No, you said it right. Foraging. We're going to go foraging <laughs> in our neighborhood. Foraging. <laughs> it's fancy foraging. Because um, foraging kind of sounds like a hick word already. So fancy. <laughs> well, I had yeah. a great time talking to you today, Lex. You too. And to all the people. Slowly but surely. <laughs> say it. <laughs> Keep surviving. (laughs) Keep surviving. Bye.